what happened that changed the outcome of going from like one appointment a week, maybe two appointments a week at the most to two to three appointments in a single day and 10 to 15 appointments a week to the point where I can't even take all the appointments you set and I have to pick and choose which ones to go on. And it happened overnight. Yeah. It did actually. It totally okay, did. what was it, and what can you teach other people about what what that thing was? Moments with Puzz, brought to you by. Get your ass to work. Something that everyone can enjoy. Now on to the show. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the Get Your Ass to Work podcast, episode number 17. Today, I've got my co-host here, Tucker. How's it going? We're good. So we're going to talk about prospecting. Developing cold business from utter shit. You get a phone list. You're sitting in an office. Nobody's around to see if you've made your phone calls or not. You're brand new to real estate. You have zero money in the bank. And someone says, oh, you need business? Here, call this list. How are you going to reach out to people and convert them into business when they have absolutely no idea who you are, what you do, whether or not they should trust you, And even if you happen to get an appointment with them, there's three other people they know in the industry that they can turn to to get the answers that they need and might even use them before they would use you, even though you've been the person following up. So I made a cold call on accident the other day. Uh, It wasn't on accident. It was purposeful, but I called another agent on accident and agents always have the most funny reactions when they get cold called. They're usually the most surprised they're usually not very interested. They're usually a little bit irritated. They're pissed off. And you know why I think that is? Really, I think it's because they know they should be doing this work and they're oh, not yeah. doing it. And and so they, they throw up some ego and they start discussing their stats and how many deals they closed. And, you know, that's cool. I mean, I don't really give a fuck. We're not there to, you know, bother people. In fact, we just want to get off the phone to get on to another prospect unless unless they want to know about what we do. Very rarely does another agent get inquisitive before they get protective. Very rarely do they get inquisitive as and ask questions that could help them in their business and find out what we're doing. Very rarely. In fact, it may have been, you know, one out of... 250 agents I've gotten on the phone in my lifetime. And it's really interesting to see their attitudes towards what somebody else is doing. Why is that? I don't know. Human nature, I guess. Someone else is doing something you're not doing. I mostly think that they know it works, but they want to pretend that it doesn't work to, to cold call prospect or, or to make any sort of phone calls at all to people who you don't know but they're not exactly sure. So the conversation was, oh, wow. And this was a known agent, somebody who I know has been in the industry. I knew who they were. And they were they were a little inquisitive, and they kind of wanted to know, wow, agents still cold call. Agents, you actually get business from doing this? 
And, of course, you know, I'm sitting there as my typical smartass, like, yeah, what the fuck do you think I do this for? Do you think we do it for fun? <laughs> you know, like, well, of course, we get business from it, and it, it does work, and that's why I brought Tucker in with us today to have this discussion about cold calling, and so... In their defense, you're totally right. Every now and then... It's kind of fun to get an agent on the phone and have a real conversation about what the market's doing over in California or in Vegas or somewhere else. Every now and then they have a real conversation or they do quiz you about, you know, why are you making calls? Who are you calling? Do you actually use scripts? But I think I've had that conversation twice. And in this short period of time I've been doing it, I've probably talked to over 30, 40 different agents. Yeah, exactly. And so every once in a while, it's cool when you get an out-of-state broker on oh, the yeah. phone because they want to talk market. There's no you know, competition. They, yeah, exactly. They want to know what's going on. There's no competition. Exactly. So their defenses are down. You know, their ego's not in play of what they think they should or should not be doing. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's not to say every phone call with agents has been bad, but I'd say the majority of the agents that we call are terrible. They get an ego real oh, quick. Yeah. Oh, they're just like instant irritation. You know, don't you know I'm an agent? You need to check your records. And like, I don't fucking check every record, you know, not. and half the numbers are wrong anyway. Yeah. You know, so it's like, if, if you want to know how to make some money in this, ask some good questions instead of where did you get my phone number? The question here is that we make calls during the day during regular business hours. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, and, and I love it. And they're picking up their home phone at like 10 a.m. in the morning. I, that, that one blows my mind, actually. When yeah. they tell you, oh, I'm an agent, I create this many deals a year. Well, it's 10 a.m., and it sounds like you just woke up. Yeah, you, so. I can tell you're still in your pajamas <laughs> yeah. having coffee, uh -huh. and it's 10 o'clock in the morning while we've been here hustling yep. for several hours already. Yeah, what are you doing with your lead generation time? Exactly. Yeah, and of course, Tucker, you know that, and you see the difference now because you've been working with us who are pretty strict and regimented on our lead generation time. Very. Most people aren't, and most people don't have that discipline or even do lead generation to begin with. To the extent that we do it, they may do some online stuff, maybe call some friends, family, past clients, referrals, stuff like that. So uh, let's move on to the most important, the most important statement, topic, question that I can help people understand why getting on the phone is important. And the question is, Tucker, how many prospects or possible clients have ever called you and said, Tucker, thank you so much for not following up. Tucker, <laughs> thank you for not calling me when my home expired. That's why we're using you. Tucker, we really appreciate your lack of discipline in getting into the office and making calls, and that's why we chose you. How many, Tucker? Uh, zero. Oh, An easy zero. Wait. How many? None at all. Ever? Nope. Okay, so what you're saying is, how many phone calls do you think you've made? I mean, throw it up in just a general number. I mean, on average, about 600 calls a day. Okay, 600 calls a day. You've been yeah. working with us for 10, 11 months now, yeah. and you make 600 phone calls a day, and you've had zero people call you and say, thank you for not bothering me. Thank you. We're using you because you're the person who didn't follow up. It's an outbound business. People don't come to you. They don't. Right. You have to show. One thing I've noticed is that people actually really appreciate it when you're making that call. You'll piss off a few people, and that's normal. People really seem to appreciate the fact that you reached out to them. 
it shows that you're there early in the morning making calls, doing your work, and they want to work with the team that's following up, working hard. That's who they want to work with. Yeah, and that's that's my experience as well. I just think it's really interesting that zero people ever called you back and said thank you for not following <laughs> because that's what everyone's fear is, right? Yeah. From from getting on the phone and making a call that they're going to bother people, that they're doing good by not reaching out, by by being introverted, by not calling people, by not sending them valuable information, by not doing shit, they think that somehow they're going to be the person who's remembered when it comes time for somebody to sell a house. Now, let me share this quick story with you. I don't think I've told it before on the podcast, but one one time I had a, a possible client who needed to purchase a home, but they weren't quite ready yet. So some time had gone by and I hadn't seen the person or talked to him. And every once in a while, I'd give them a call and leave 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 a, a, a message on their phone. And then one day I got a phone call actually, and it was kind of frantic and it was an apology. Hey, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't use you to purchase this new home. You know, I really apologize about it, but I couldn't find your phone number. And I thought to myself, fuck, I said, you know what? I changed my phone number because I just changed it from 408 from where I came from in the Bay Area to 775. And I'm like, I forgot to update my client with this phone number. It's my fault that he went and used some other agent. And I legitimately 100% believe that he tried to get a hold of me. In fact, there's, there's no doubt. You know why I know this? Because this person was my fucking next door neighbor. And he couldn't get a hold of me. And I'm always at work. So he never saw my car there. You know, he wasn't a shy person, but he's definitely not the type to want to come knock on your door and be like, hey, is Dan here? Where can I get his number? No, what happened is he went to an open house and an agent said, yeah, if you want to write an offer on this short sale, you need to do it today. And he's like, okay, I got an agent. He called my number. It was no longer good. And what happens? He ends up going back to that agent and writing the offer. And so while I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I don't want to bother my next door neighbor or push my agenda down their throat. I lost a sale. And I and since then, I can't say that I've gotten smarter from it because I've lost many sales for doing stupid shit like that. And every single time it sucks and it stings and it hurts. But at the same time, you try to get better. And what I learned immediately was that what you think is bothering other people is usually not as as much of a distraction or a problem or you're not bothering them as much as you think you are and to follow up more often. So that was pretty interesting and I definitely, you know, learned my lesson from that one. Learned a lot of other lessons we can get to later about, yeah, never mind. <laughs> so tell us what you do, Tucker. Um, what what is your what does your day look like, and what are you doing right now? To just give us a general a general run of your day. What's it look like? First thing in the morning, uh, wake up, get ready to go to work. Once I'm in my car, um, I have learned to play music that gets me going. Like back in school, I'd play a football game right before you got to play. That hype music kind of gets you going. I've learned that that helps a lot on the way to work. Once I get to work, I sit right down. I pick up a headset. I dial into the dialer. 
and we just are making calls. We call the expires, the withdrawns from the day, um, a neighborhood we're farming, um, and then we'll call the FISBOs. We'll set a few appointments. We'll get our leads. Come lunchtime, we'll get a bite of food, and then it's just follow-up. And what I've learned is that the more time you spend in the morning cold calling and actually providing these leads for yourself, later in the afternoon is when you set the appointments, when you go to follow up with the leads you created five, six months ago. All right. That's, I mean, that's interesting because what I didn't hear you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I didn't hear you say is you watch the news when you get up in the morning to get pissed <laughs> off, you get to the office and then go get some coffee, go take a dump, come back, sit down, talk to some people, and then whenever you feel like it, you you get to work or sort of, you kind of surf the internet and then you put on a headset at one point, you make a call and then you go out to your car for a cigarette break. So you're regimented. Yeah, because when you're doing all those other things, watching the news, sitting there drinking coffee, talking with friends, it's fun. It is. I mean, it's fun to go sit there by the water cooler and hang out with someone, but they're owning your time while I could be on the phone creating leads so that later that evening I can go do these things if I really want to. I can go watch the news. I can go hang out with friends. But my morning is set out to what you've taught me is just go lead gym. No one owns your time from 8 to noon at all. And then after that, go get a bite to eat. You need a bite to eat. But then come back and follow up. We, we can go sit in the kitchen and hang out and talk like pretty much everyone else does that I've ever seen in the industry. <laughs> they all just hang out and talk. But I don't see them creating the deals and the amount of leads that we do. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great observation because when you're in here hustling and you're working and you're on the phone and you're regimented to a specific time that you're going to be on the phone, you notice really fast that most other people don't have any sort of schedule right. as to when they are going to go out to create new business. Right. In fact, they just come and go as they please. They waste a ton of time. They try to take your time. They try to distract you. They'll come into the office. They'll start chatting. How was your weekend? How was your weekend? Right. And so what you have been able to accomplish is shutting all of that out, starting your morning with something that's going to get you in the right mindset to come in here. You get into the office at a set time. You sit down and the headset goes on immediately and you get to work. And you try as best you can as to cut out all the, all the distractions. Right. It's not 100%. You can never get rid of all the distractions 100%. No. Okay. But you can, you can do a really good job of cutting most of the bullshit out and getting right to work. So tell us about your follow-up. And you said the morning's kind of for calling new leads and then you're starting to set appointments and do follow-up in the afternoon. What does that follow-up in appointment setting look like? Because appointments seem to be one of the hardest things to do for real estate agents is to set new appointments with people who they do not know. Anyone can set an appointment with their friend who they did business already. That's easy. That's yeah. easy, right? What does it look like to set appointments with, bring us through that process? What do agents need to know about setting appointments with people who they don't know, who they've been following up with, who came in as a lead? How do you convert? Okay, so the ones that you're following up with that were not an appointment the first day you called them, which are just one-offs. When I first started doing this thing, I would I get a lead, 
I'd write, write down all the notes, and it was so hot, they would say that they want to sell next month. And so I would write in, call next month. And then I'd call them next month, and they've already talked to a realtor. And they completely forgot about me. While I was thinking about them every single night, I can't wait to talk to them again, figure this out. And so what I've learned is that you literally cannot communicate with them enough. You just can't. Because as long as your motivation matches their motivation, they want you calling them. They want your newsletter. They want your text. They want your, your market updates. They want all of that in front of them. You mean people want to hear from real estate agents? Honestly, it's a, it's a weird thought because if you're, not, if you're coming into the industry right now, you think, oh, real estate agents are annoying. They're always bothering me. They're always you know, making these, these, these calls and they're, they're all salesy. But that's because you're not buying or selling a home. When I'm ready to start looking for a home or buying it or selling it, I want to see that the agent that reached out to me or that I reached out to is putting in the work, is staying on top of me, is eager, actually has motivation to work with me. And so when I follow up, the first thing I do is after my morning calls, no one even gets followed up with until it's done. Then those leads immediately get a handwritten letter from me just saying, thank you for taking my call. Here's who I am, a business card with my face on it. Here's the company I work with, and here's my intentions. And that way, it's just all on the table. Um, The second thing is I send them a text just saying, thank you for the call. I just put a card in the mail for you. So they think about me for the next two to three days when the card comes in the mail. Then the card comes in the mail. They remember who I am. And then I text them a market update a week later. So they know what's going on. So I kind of come across as an expert right there. So now I'm providing them a little bit of value. And then it's a call. And then it's saying, look, they know who I am when I call them next. Now it's saying, when should I follow up with you? When would you like me to? I don't want to spam you, but I know we both want to work together. When should I be following up? Is it every week? Is it every month? And which is best? Because not everyone likes phone calls. And I've talked to some people, and they have told me, if you text me, I will not work with you. They're just the old-fashioned guys. So you got to figure out how you, they want you to follow up with them. You need to figure out your timeline on following up with them. And then you just have to do it no matter how awkward it is or how scared you are to make that last call. Okay, so let's let's recap on that a little bit. So you're you're going to get in, and when you get somebody on the phone who's a potential prospect, and they kind of go through the criteria that we have set that we would say this person is a valid prospect that we want to keep in contact with. Right. You send them after the phone call. Right. You send them a handwritten letter, a card, a business card with you with your face and your, your information on it. Right. In the card, it describes your intentions yes. of what you hope to accomplish with them in the future. It's me saying, I'm going to call you in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. When that time comes, either we're going to set an appointment to get together or we're going to figure out a schedule and a plan on when we should be touching base and where we're going to go from here. Right. So you're setting the expectation that we're going to be meeting. Exactly. Okay, yeah, perfect. Put it in their mind. All right. Um, then you, you shoot them a text message. Yep. Okay, so they've got your phone number. They've got a text message from you, but then they get the card a few days later. Right. Okay. Then you're going to send them a market update. Yep. And then they're probably going to get another call. Exactly. Okay. Just to cement and solidify that relationship of they know who you are. Exactly. Okay. Because they forget so easily. I mean, if we call them at 930, I guarantee you, if you don't send the text, 
they already forgot about your conversation by the time they're they're having lunch that day. Absolutely. I mean, two or three hours later, they just they forget about you. So, so you whose job is it? Whose job is it to make sure that they remember you? Ours, one hundred percent. Right. Just like it was my job to make sure my neighbor had my phone number, right. my valid information, and knew how to get a hold of me and felt comfortable calling me when they were ready. Did I do a very good job making sure my neighbor could get a hold of me? You thought you did. Totally but failed. You didn't. Yeah. yeah, total failure. And it was one of those things where, oh, you know, my neighbor knows how to get a hold of me. When they're ready, they will definitely come and talk to me about buying a home. Well, that didn't happen. They don't owe you anything. They don't no owe you does. shit. Yeah. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you a call back. Nobody owes you a response. In fact, most of the time, they don't even respond to the stuff we send out. But nope. we know they see it. Yeah. Okay. They recognize you. Yeah. So so let's talk about that because the, the follow-up game, I feel like it is probably the most misunderstood and the most undervalued piece of converting business into in uh, converting leads into business and people who, who will do business with you and gaining and earning an appointment. So what is it about the follow-up that most people are missing? What, what do they not get? What are they not doing properly? Here's, here's my biggest assumption. Number one, I think they're too afraid to do it. I think they got excited. They put the lead in their database and then when it says today, call them, they look through their notes and they get nervous and they just don't do it. I think that's the first thing is people just don't follow up. The second thing I, I, I believe is that when they do follow up, there's no value being provided. You're just, you're just giving them a quick call. Are you ready to sell yet? Are we ready to work together yet? Are we ready to set an appointment yet? You're not asking them how can I help you? What can I do for you? What would you like? Do you even want market updates from me? Did, did you like the letter or would you rather me not? I mean, honestly, just figure out what they want. Not everyone wants the same thing and you have to be on the exact same wavelength with them in order to mesh. I mean, you just do. So it's figuring out their intentions, their motivation, and their timeline so you can be on the same exact page. And how much follow-up is too much follow-up? None. You got to follow up as much as possible. Okay. So let's talk about something you mentioned a few times, which was how to communicate with people. Because you did mention that there are some older folks who say, if you text me, I'm not doing business with you. Yeah. However, there are people who won't respond to 29 phone calls in a row, but you send them one text. They answer it so fast. And they answer it so yeah. fast. So these are people who we've never met who don't really know who we are in person. They may have seen, you know, heard our voice messages, gotten our text messages, maybe gotten an email. However, you have set appointments through text message when they haven't responded to phone calls and people have been willing to meet with you over a text message. Is this true? Yeah, isn't that crazy to think about? You oh, so you're saying they... this is true? Oh, 100% true. Okay. It's, it's probably producing... 25% of the appointments right now is just texting people. They don't answer the phone, shoot them a text. And boom, you get a response. Immediately. I'm at work. I can't talk right now. They're typically excuses. People don't answer the phone anymore. Follow the trend. People want to text, text them. People want to text, send them a text. Yep. Okay. Perfect. So 
after you've been following up with people, let's talk about the heartbreaks because, you know, people tend to think that even if you do this perfect job following up, they're still going to use you. Like, you know, I've been calling you for three years. I've been faithful in sending you information. I've been the person to drop things off at your door. I've been this, I've been that. And then they list with, you know, Joe Schmo down the street who sold two homes in their entire career over six years. So tell us about the heartbreaks. And one, how, how do you deal with that? And what do you do to minimize the amount of times that happens? My biggest heartbreak happened, oh, what was it, four months ago, three months ago, when I wasn't following up very much at all. I was doing your average follow-up, just call every three months. You guys ready yet? You guys ready yet? And they would even say they're going to do business with us. I remember going through the database and looking at all these leads that even agreed to meet with us and I swear there was over there was over 30 that ended up listing. And that's a low percentage. There's only th- over 30 that ended up listing and just weren't there at the right time. We talked maybe two or three times. They agreed to meet with us down the road when they were ready, but when they were ready I wasn't in front of them. So they just weren't even thinking about me. Because they don't know me anything. They were thinking about themselves and finding an agent, and they just didn't remember me. So that was probably the biggest heartbreak right there was seeing those. I mean, it was at least 30 different deals that I was just crossing out. That pisses me off, Tucker. I know it does. I've I never heard that story before. We're going to talk oh, after no, this no. podcast. Oh, no, no, no. I remember I was sitting there with a the piece of paper writing them all down, just sweating. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go sh- show Dan this. I got to show Dan this. Freaking out. Oh, I was terrified. Yeah. Well, if you think you lost 30 deals, I've lost probably 300 oh, yeah. deals by not following up properly. So hope you learned your lesson at 30 and have yeah. uh, kept it down there. But here's the truth, guys, is even if you do a perfect job following up, you've sent them information, they're, they've agreed to meet with you, they think you're wonderful, there's still a good chance that they are going to cancel the appointment on you or use their Aunt Sally or a hairdresser they just met yesterday that the wife really likes or somebody that the judge recommended or their lawyer. Okay, so this is what I'm saying is that just because you're doing a good job following up, you have to have a full pipeline of people. You really have to have a ton of people that you're working with and who have agreed to meet with you, who you're trying to set appointments for, people you have met with that aren't quite ready to list yet. You've got to be constantly out in the field meeting with people or on the phone setting appointments because there's going to be so many heartbreaks and you can't take them personally. You really have to see what you did, see if you could do something better. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes when you look back through your notes, you really think, you know, there's really not much else I could have done better. There are things you can get marginally better at, but nothing that would have actually changed the outcome. You followed up with them 16 times in three months. They got your notes, your letters, your texts, your emails, and they still weren't going to use you. But you have to be able to move on from that, push it under the rug, and move on to the next prospect because I see agents get very upset when they think they put all this work in and somehow they were entitled 
to being the agent that they were going to call and you weren't. And let me tell you, it fucking sucks. I get it. I know following up with people for three to four years for them to just turn around and go with some other, you know, agent that they just met because he does insurance. And then half the time he also has a real estate license and maybe has sold a home before that shit happens. You've provided value. You've poured your heart into helping this person out. You've sent them a million CMAs, answered all their questions, and they use somebody else. For what reason? Doesn't matter. They weren't going to use you. They didn't. Congratulate them on their yeah. decision. Yeah, be positive. Be positive. Yeah. Congratulate them on their decision. Say, I am still here to help you if at any time you have any questions. And then... Keep track of what's happening with their home. And I'll tell you what, this isn't once, this isn't twice, this isn't like 10 times this has happened. This has happened to me many, many times that that home goes off the market and expires and they end up calling me and listing listing with me after, yep. after that whole thing happens. So don't get pissed off. Don't get frustrated. Don't quit making cold calls. Don't give up on them. Call them and congratulate them on their decision and let them know that it is not awkward that they use some other agent. You completely understand. And if there is something that they ever need, they can come talk to you about it. And you're going to be amazed at the response. Most people are going to be like, wow, I didn't expect that. And if the home doesn't sell, who the fuck are they going to call next? Because they already burned out their other option that they just picked out of the weeds they're going right. to call the person who has been following up with them. Right. Maybe. I mean, there's a good, there's a much better chance and you're going to catch some deals just from saying thank you to people who didn't use you. It's tough not to get overexcited about a super hot lead or a brand new listing of yours or an appointment you just set. But when that heartbreak does happen and they cancel or like one we just had today, super hot lead within two weeks. They were like, oh, yeah, come on out next week. Let's get it listed. We're moving over here uh, 30 minutes out of town. And then I just called her and said, husband lost his job. They can't move anymore. And if I was just focusing on that one lead and basing my entire income on just that one person, I would just be depressed right now. I mean, I'd be done because I, don't, I would not have been lead generating. I would have been just dealing with them the whole time. But when we have multiple appointments for this week and we have many leads coming in every day, it's okay to have one fall out like that. The heartbreak gets a lot easier when you're sitting down every day making these cold calls, filling your database. Fuck. You know, I see that so often with agents who are doing, you know, seven to 12 deals a year, yeah. which isn't a bad, I mean, that's nothing to, you know, that, that's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, you know, seven to 12 deals a year, making a home sale a month. It's a good amount. It, it's, it's good, right? It's, it can be improved on, but you know what? Yeah. You're, you're in the industry, you're surviving, you're moving. Right. Okay. And I see so many of those agents doing seven to 12 deals a year that when that one deal falls out of escrow, it's heartbreaking. Like it fucks them for because their whole month. Yeah. They need it. They absolutely have to get that deal to close in order to be financially stable for the next month or two. You know, they need to pay their kids private school. They need to make a car payment. They need to be able to pay their mortgage. Right. But they don't have a pipeline. And that deal falls out for, for nobody's fault. Doesn't matter whose fault it was, but it falls out and they don't have anything else in the bank 
or in in the backups or in you know a listing that comes out the next day, and then they're fucked. Right. And they're not lead generating either. They're just working off a referral. Mm-hmm. There's so many people like that, and so you know your your story of having stuff fall out is important to realize that you have to have things coming in all the time. And that's why we prospect. Yeah. Right. It's a funnel. Some of them fall out sometimes, but we always keep working more and more people towards the funnel, adding more into the top. It just, it makes the heartbreak a lot easier. It just does. Makes it a lot easier. Makes a lot easier. It does. I want to get into one of our final questions here. Uh, We could wrap it up after this, but I would say your first eight months into the business, um, well, no, actually, this is this is interesting because your first two months in the business, you did pretty well. You, you were meeting my expectations of what I thought. In fact, it was probably a little bit better than what my expectations were for you your first couple months into the business of coming in and making calls. You set appointments. We took listings off of those people that we talked to. And then something happened between month three around March until about August. I know what it is, but there was, there was sort of a dry spell where we would sit down and have conversations probably once a week and talk about, hey, you're not setting appointments. What's happening here? Okay, what can we do to get you better? And it was a lot of conversations where you're like, I don't know, I'll try harder. I'm going to mm-hmm. call more people. I'm going to call a different list. I'm going to call for sale by owners. I'm going to call expired. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really slow period of time. And I was starting to think, okay, so I've got the guy in here, Tucker, and he's putting in the dials and he's putting in the time and he's, he's studying the material that I give you to study. He's studying the scripts. You knew the information but you weren't getting results. And then something happened probably around September of this year. I mean, August, September sometime, yeah, about September, right? Yeah. Okay. That's about it. that time. And then you, you turned, you turned it upside down. It's on fire now. And it hasn't stopped since then. And I can say this, it's not that over. It happened overnight. It literally happened overnight. People don't, you know, people think that, oh, it takes years to get good at this or success takes a long time. That's true. A lot of things do. But you had been working at this for months and months and months and months and months, right? I mean, the way that I see it was you were growing roots and a foundation and we didn't quite know why you weren't sprouting up and growing, you know, into the into the stratosphere. But at the same time, you were getting a really solid foundation beneath you. What happened that changed the outcome of going from like one appointment a week, maybe two appointments a week at the most, to two to three appointments in a single day and 10 to 15 appointments a week to the point where I can't even take all the appointments you set and I have to pick and choose which ones to go on. And it happened overnight. Yeah, it did actually. Okay, what was it and what can you teach other people about what what that thing was? so the first two months are just exciting. It's a new job. It's, you know, I'm going to really work hard at this and do my best. And and it totally sucked. I mean, it did. It sucked for those first couple months because, like, I'm talking to 
I was making probably $2,000 a day, $1,500 a day. It was crazy. And getting a ton of leads. And I remember I wasn't following up with them. So unless it was a one-off lucky appointment, I just wasn't. Um, and then that next six months, there were some health issues in my family, some emotional things. What I would do is I would have all this stuff in my head and then I would go to work and then I'd just keep thinking about it. And so instead of wanting to talk to somebody and actually try to work hard, I'm just sitting there just thinking about these these outside issues. And then what I realized is that I'm not producing at all. I mean, I wasn't doing a single thing. I'd come to work and probably not set an appointment maybe once a week if I was lucky and it wasn't even that great of an appointment. Um, and the number one, there, were, there was two things. The first thing that, that helped me out was just learning to just leave your outside things outside the door. Once you open up that door and you walk into work, it's a whole nother world. You leave everything outside. Now you're in your work environment. You, you got a new head on. You're, you're thinking about work and that's it. The biggest thing that turned around for me is we joined a group. Um, you mind, can I say it? Uh, we're not telling names, motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, you can, of okay, course, man, right. because they did a great thing for us. Yeah. And we're happy to share any information yeah. with anybody. So it's called Shot Callers. It's, it's a Facebook group. It's a webinar. The number one thing, it wasn't even the group or the coaching. It really wasn't. The thing inside of the group is they have this list of people that how many dials would they make? How many appointments were they setting? Scoreboards. They yeah, have a exactly. scoreboard. Yeah. And it was how many dials, how many appointments, how many listings. Yes, that's exactly it's scoreboard. And I'm a very competitive person. Very competitive. And I never really had someone to compete with during those first eight months. I just didn't. That's why I didn't know what was standard, what was expected. Then I saw this guy making like twice as many dials as me, five, six appointments a day. And it genuinely just pissed me off. And I felt like shit because I thought this guy's totally beating me. And so I realized that I got to do anything in my power in order to beat him. That was it. I literally just wanted to win. I want to beat this guy. And it was that for about a month. And now it's I realize this stuff works. I'm setting good appointments. We're actually starting to take a lot of listings from this. It's turning around. So what you're saying is your skills didn't change. You didn't get better overnight. You didn't get a magic script. There wasn't a special list of people that we called. Same exact list. It was the people. same fucking people we had been calling. In fact, I went back like six months ago and recalled all these people and just started setting appointments like fire. So what, what was the change? What, what, was, what manifested from this idea of this guy is kicking my ass, I can do better? How did that change your behavior on the phone that led to the result that you're getting? Here's the thing. I thought that what you were doing, no one else could do. I really did think that the sales skills that you had on the phone were just, no one else can do it. And while we'd sit there and we'd coach and train together all the time, I mean, you were investing in me and I would listen, I'd repeat back. But once I got on the phone, I just didn't believe it was possible. And then I saw this guy doing it and he's great on the phone, but he's nothing special. I mean, he just has a conversation with people. And they want to meet with him. In fact, he wasn't even that good. No, he, no he's in fact, he was. At all. He was very pushy. Yeah, and he was kind of the guy that you think of when right. it comes. Yeah, when it comes to people calling you, he's kind of the guy you don't agent. really want to talk to on the no. phone. He's not helpful. No, he's just extremely aggressive. That yeah, but he got a ton of fu's on the phone. He does. Sure, but he gets even more appointments because of it. 
And what I realized is that I don't care what the other person on the other phone says to me. I'm okay getting hung up on because that gives me another opportunity to talk to the next person that we can actually help out. Um, really, it was just, I want to kick this guy's ass. I want to beat him. And then once I saw that it worked and it worked for me, I finally bought into it and realized you can make a lot of money just by sitting on the phone, which I honestly didn't buy into. I didn't think it was possible. I thought that you just possess this skill that no one else can have. Once I realized it's super easy, really anybody can do it if they really believe in it. It's a gold mine. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. It, well, I'll say simple, not easy. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it is, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of work, but once you, once you get that foundation of, of how to speak, that's good. But then you also have to have the mindset and the right. mindset is I'm setting an appointment and I'm going to do anything it takes. And for you, that just happened to be a competitor who was wiping the floor with your numbers Oh yeah, and you were putting in the dials, but he was setting the appointments, and all of a sudden it clicked overnight. And it wasn't a change in skill; it wasn't you dialed more people. It was a mindset shift. One hundred percent mindset that I'm going to do. I get it now. I'm going to do what it takes to set an appointment. Right. Let's take that one step further. We have the agent in our office, Corey. Yeah. Who is terrified of calling for sale by owners? It's it's terrifying. It's terrifying it, it for her. She's is. literally afraid. Her voice trembles when she calls for sale. Mine. She will call anybody else. She'll call on expired. She sets appointments on her own on expires without she even talking. She kicks ass on expired. She kicks ass yeah. on expires. She will circle prospect all day. Nobody likes it, right? I mean, nobody really likes doing this so much, but it's tolerable once you get results and you know what you know what's ahead of you. But so she's terrified of calling for sale by owners. And what happened when you sat down with her and coached her on the phone with her for sale by owner phone calls that she made that day? We role played for a couple minutes. We made two calls, set two qualified appointments. Made that was a, it. What do you make three phone calls and you set two appointments on for sale by owners? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's right in there. It's it was just because it's you're right. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's just a list of steps you have to take in order to set the appointment. And then it's a whole other deal with listing appointment. But it, it's a game. It's almost kind of fun, to be honest. When you get on the phone and you start hearing objections, then you already know what to say and exactly how to go about it. And then they throw another one at you. You're kind of walking through these different doors in this maze to finally get to the center, which is an appointment. It's like an escape room. That, oh, you you yeah, know what an totally. escape room is? Okay, so escape rooms, if you haven't been in one, is where they lock you into a room. This is fun. It's like an adult activity. You get yeah. locked in a room, and there's clues, and you have to try to unlock the clues so that you can escape. Some mind games, some physical. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's all very logical stuff, but you miss things from time to time, and you have to backtrack. It's kind of the same thing. A, a, you know, a for sale by owner, an expired, a circle prospecting phone call, people who don't know you are kind of like an escape room. You can't win them all, yeah. but there's a solution to each one of them. And the solution may be they already have an agent who their, who their mom is, but you got to the bottom of it. You've solved the riddle. The They're not going to use right. you because their mom is an agent and there's no way you're going to win that appointment. Right. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say no way, but most <laughs> likely, yeah, it's happened <laughs> before, but that's rare. But, but at the same time, these four sell by owners and expires are like an escape room. They leave yeah. you clues on how to solve their puzzle, and 
you just got to be versed enough and fresh enough and on point enough to just use what they say to go ahead and escape right. their their bullshit of why they don't want to meet with you. Right. And then they're so happy that they did set the appointment with you. And then they love you after you list their home and sell it. And if you believe that you're actually, that your job provides real value and that you really are a good agent, you, I truly believe that you're doing them a disservice by not meeting with them, by not at least sitting down with them and explaining the value that you bring to the table. Because I know for a fact that when I call these FISBOs, as long as they're rational and they're not just crazy make-me-movers on Zillow, as long as they're rational and they have a good price for it, I truly believe that we can get them more money and that I would be doing them a disservice by not at least showing them this option. Yeah, I I agree 100%. And you, it gets a lot easier to make a phone call to people when you know you have value to trade them. Right. And that it would actually benefit them to meet with you. And it's your obligation yeah. to call them and at least share what you can do for them so that they can make the best decision. But if they don't know you and they don't know what you do, you're actually doing them a disservice by not giving them a call and giving right. them the option to figure out whether or not you're the best person to use. Would you agree with that? Not completely. It's, it's providing value. If you don't value yourself enough and you don't think you get the more money, don't make the call because it's not the right thing. It, it just wouldn't be right to take that listing. But I mean, come on, most of these FISBOs, most of these expireds, I feel for them. They wanted to move to Washington and their agent genuinely just screwed up. Or this guy wants to downsize and his agent told him he has to wait until spring. Well, guess what, buddy? Your agent's wrong. Different things are going to happen in spring. Interest rates are going up you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't do it now. And we actually really are the right people. And so as long as you go into the call knowing for a fact that they need to meet with you because you can help them, your whole tone just changes and they can feel it. They really do know when you're genuine. Right. Yeah. So what you did with Corey, what did you do to help her get on the phone and set appointments? What was the biggest piece that she was missing that she learned instantly that helped her go from terrified to call a for sale by owner to setting two appointments out of three phone calls and one person didn't answer? The easiest thing ever. It was accountability. We asked her before we even went to do that, we said, how many FISBOs did you call today? Well, she said zero. How many FISBOs did you call yesterday? Well, she said zero. Well, how many points did you set? Zero. Okay, well, then let's actually make a call. I don't care if, if our role play was awesome or if our script was perfect. The point is we at least have to make the call. And then when we make these three calls and we get two appointments, all we proved is that the first step is just getting on the freaking phone. I mean, that's all it really was. If she didn't get on the phone, she won't set an appointment. You, she at least opened up that opportunity. Now, we did do some role play. We did do a little bit of practice and work together, but she said again on the phone, they wanted the appointment. Right. If you want to hit a home run, you got to swing the bat. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't stand there and watch the balls go by. Right. you gotta, you got to swing for the fences. Yep. Yeah. So with her just taking the action steps of getting on the phone, coaching and role playing, and then being held accountable to making that call, she was able to set appointments when she was probably just shaking 
at in her chair. She was so nervous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and she was pissed at us for making her do it. She put but it on she mute. knew it was good for her. What do I? What do I say? I'm like, just talk. <laughs> just ask him. <laughs> right. It was funny. Yeah. Paid yeah. off though. Set two appointments. It 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 did it pay off. All right. So I just want to cover the keys that we've talked about. The the key ideas that we've covered and throw throw things in there if yeah. you think we're missing anything. And so what we talked about today was you have a set schedule and a time that you come in here. It's not when you feel like it. Right. It's it's not when you have time to do it. It's not, you know, what's happening during the week or you're, you're too busy in the morning, so you'll just do it at a different time. It's set every day. Our standard is 8 to 12, and that's it. That's it. There's no exception. There's, there's nothing else that we do except that between those hours. We don't even set an appointment during that time. We don't set appointments during that time. We don't do inspections during that time. We don't go to closings at that time. All fires can burn 8 to 12. Everything can stay lit up and burn burn down <laughs> until 12 o'clock yep. when we're ready to get on the phone and make a decision about which fire to put out first. Yep. Okay. There's no there's no too much follow-up. Nope. You, you cannot follow up enough. Right. Okay. You can't. Unless they tell you, don't call me until this date, you can't follow up enough. Right. You just can't. Next point is communicate with people the way they would like to be communicated with. Try different avenues. So if people like text, use text message. If people want a phone call, use a phone call. If they're getting response through emails, kind of send more emails. But try them all and don't think that just because you called them 18 times that they're not paying attention. Right. People typically don't respond to your follow-up anyway. They don't answer the phone. They don't return a text, but they get it and they think about it. Right. So don't think just because you're not getting a response that they're not paying attention. And don't think that they're not grateful for you following up because the number one thing that's always shocking, even to this day, no matter how many appointments I've set, and no matter how many listings I've taken with people who, who did not respond to me one time in three years is when they tell me, hey, Thanks for always giving me a call and staying in touch. I'm sorry I didn't respond. They're apologizing to you because they're embarrassed that they didn't respond because they were too busy. And you're getting the apology and you're sitting there looking at them like, let's uh, do this. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. (laughs) Like, sure. I wasn't thinking that, but, you know, that's how it goes. Um, Last thing I have on my list is your mindset when, when getting on the phone. Be ready to set an appointment. Yeah. That's what you do. That's what you're getting on the phone for. You're not getting on the phone to just talk. You're you're not getting on the phone to pretend you're doing your lead generation. You're getting on the phone to help people. And the way you do that is by setting appointments with them and getting face-to-face and presenting them when you get the appointment with the ways that you can help them achieve their goals. Is there anything you want to add to that? You got to plan backwards. You got to start from what do you want in the end? Let's all be honest. We want the commission check. Of course, we want to help people. But one of the main reasons you're in this business is to make your car payment, make your mortgage. And how do you do that? You get that commission check. Well, how do you get that? You sell a listing. How do you do that? You got to sign a contract. How do you get the contract? You got to nurture them. You got to follow up. How do you even get the follow up? 
you got to get the lead and how do you get the lead? One of the easiest ways to do it is just get on the phone. Just None make of the, the rest call. happens until you get on the phone. And I'll get flipped off, or I guess not flipped off, but cussed out over the phone a hundred times. But if I get one person that says, thanks for calling, we're actually ready to list, or can you do this for us and then we'll get it going? Sure. You guys cuss me out all day, but as long as I get that one call, I'm happy. Yeah. Now, on a realistic note, how often do you get cussed out on the phone? I honestly couldn't remember the last time. I really can't. It, so what you're saying, not that often, once a week? No, not even that. I mean, maybe maybe once a month I'll get someone really pissed off. Once a month you get somebody really pissed off. Yeah, and yeah. you expect it to happen a lot more. You would, you right? You really do. Yeah. But you don't. You most people are cool. No. Yeah, and most people who don't make cold calls expect that they're going to get yelled at all the time. And sometimes you do. I mean, y- you can get yelled at, absolutely. Right. Most of the time you don't. In fact, I'd say once a month is when I get that really irate person who's, you know, calling me names and saying they're going to, you know, make sure that I never sell another house in my life. Yeah, right. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it's not that often, but the upside is is you also, for that person that swears at you and and says you know all these terrible things to you on the phone the flip side is you get that person on the phone that absolutely needed your help and is a hundred percent grateful that you were making a call on that day because they need help and didn't know what to do right would you say that's accurate oh completely they need you and we see this happen all the time go back to episode whatever it was zero to five somewhere in there um we you, you saved Wendy. I mean, literally saved her from losing the home. If you had not just picked up the call that day or the phone that day and made the call, you wouldn't have helped her out and she would have totally lost her home. You're doing people a service by giving them a call and you're going to piss off someone every now and then, but you just got to do it. And if you're just starting out in the business and you don't have a listing yet or you only have a couple and you're just really stressing out about your bills, if you have time to listen to this for the last hour, you have time to go on the phone. You have time to dial people. Just start dialing friends and family and then get out there and start calling expires. Yeah, and with that, we've got an appointment at 4 o'clock. Oh, we better run this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we better get to it. That episode he's referring to is episode number 8. It is um, the hashtag FYF, a machete, $20,000, and a real estate agent walk into a house. And that's actually what happened. So that was the episode where we uh, absolutely helped someone who was in a very bad situation about to lose their house and all the equity that they had with it. If we had not made that cold call, that person would have lost pretty much any any inheritance left of what her, her uh, family had left her prior to that. So, hey, guys, thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you do have any questions about who we coach with or who we are in contact with that we get most of our scripts and dialogues from, questions on mindset, questions on who to call, when to call. You can contact us. You can email us directly. Tucker, can you put that in the uh, description? Yeah, I would put the description. If you're driving and came, look at it. We're just going to use team at puzzteam.com. Email us your questions. We'll get back to you ASAP. Yeah. If you guys have any feedback on this podcast, please leave it for us. We'd love to know how we can make this podcast better. If it was worth anything, any value to you, go ahead and subscribe. And as we always say on this podcast, 
get your ass back to work.